church. Good morning, church family. You few, you proud, you not on your boats. I'm so proud of you. <laughs> Grab your Bibles and let's stand for the reading of God's word. We're going to be in Romans 15, 8 through 33. It's on page 949 in the Bibles around the room. When I'm done, I'm going to say thanks be to God, and your response is going to be... When I'm done, I'm going to see this is the word of the Lord. I just thought I'd see if you're awake this morning. <laughs> Maybe I'm on vacation. Okay. Romans 15. For I tell you that Christ became a servant to the circumcised to show God's truthfulness in order to confirm the promises given to the patriarchs and in order that the Gentiles might glorify God for his mercy as it is written. Therefore, I will praise you among the Gentiles and sing to your name. And again, it is said, Rejoice, O Gentiles, with his people. And again, Praise the Lord, all you Gentiles, and let all the peoples extol him. And again, Isaiah says, The root of Jesse will come. Even he who arises to rule the Gentiles, in him will the Gentiles hope. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing, so that by the power of the Holy Spirit you may abound in hope. I myself am satisfied about you, my brothers, that you yourselves are full of goodness, filled with all knowledge, and able to instruct one another. But on some points I have written to you very boldly by way of reminder because of the grace given me by God to be a minister of Christ Jesus to the Gentiles in the priestly service of the gospel of God, so that the offering of the Gentiles may be acceptable, sanctified by the Holy Spirit. In Christ Jesus, then, I have reason to be proud of my work for God, for I will not venture to speak of anything except what Christ has accomplished through me to bring the Gentiles to obedience, by word and deed, by the power of signs and wonders, by the power of the Spirit of God, so that from Jerusalem and all the way to Illyricum, I have fulfilled the ministry of the gospel of Christ, and thus I make it my ambition to preach the gospel, not where Christ has already been named, lest I build on someone else's foundation, but as it is written, those who have never been told of him will see, and those who have never heard will understand. This is the reason why I have so often been hindered from coming to you. But now, since I no longer have any room for work in these regions, and since I have longed for many years to come to you, I hope to see you in passing as I go to Spain, and to be helped on my journey there by you, once I've enjoyed your company for a while. At present, however, I'm going to Jerusalem, bringing aid to the saints. For Macedonia and Achaia have been pleased to make some contribution for the poor among the saints at Jerusalem, for they were pleased to do it, and indeed, they owe it to them. For if the Gentiles have come to share in their spiritual blessings, they ought also to be of service to them in material blessings. When, therefore, I have completed this and have delivered to them what has been collected, I will leave for Spain by way of you. I know that when I come to you, I will come in the fullness of the blessing of Christ. I appeal to you, brothers, by our Lord Jesus Christ and by the love of the Spirit, to strive together with me in your prayers to God on my behalf, that I may be delivered from the unbelievers in Judea, and that my service for Jerusalem may be acceptable to the saints, so that by God's will I may come to you with joy and be refreshed in your company. 
May the God of peace be with you all. Amen. This is the word of the Lord. Let's pray. Father God, thank you for always supplying our needs and for making us missionaries in our ordinary lives. Thank you for the privilege of helping others to come to know the fullness of Christ's love for them. Open our hearts and our ears to hear your word this morning from Pastor Shea. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Miss Melanie. I, I just I love it when you read the scriptures. It just I feel so refreshed. Like like my grandma just got done reading to me. Like my soul is just feels good. Good morning, everybody. How's everybody doing? Awesome. It's good to see all of you here with us this morning. My name is Shay. I'm one of the pastors here at Living Stones. Uh, as Pastor Matt alluded to earlier, uh, happy Trinity Sunday. Uh, I grew up in a church where we didn't really celebrate that, so I had to ask Matt this morning, like, what is Trinity Sunday? I mean, I know what the Trinity is, but what do we do on Trinity Sunday? Do we try to split ourselves in three parts, or like, what do we do there? Uh, thankfully, that was, that was not the answer to that question, but um, Trinity Sunday is the time when we get to reflect on the fact that God exists in three persons. It's, it's one of the great mysteries of God, um, how God reveals himself through the text uh, that we read about and how God is... Uh, father and he's he's son and now he's in the flesh and now he's holy spirit and uh when jesus left and he ascended back into heaven he said i'm going to send you my holy spirit so that i can always be with you that's the great comfort and hope we have in the trinity and so uh, happy trinity sunday the, the lord is still with us and he said he'll never leave us even until the end of the age so praise god for that uh, we are going to pick back up in Romans chapter 15, as we just read. It's going to be verses 8 to 33. So guess what? I'm going to need y'all's prayers this morning. It is a lot of text. And Pastor Kyle was like, yeah, take the Bible and preach it. Basically, it's, it's, it's a lot of text. Anyway, um, but we are going to get through it. So y'all pray for me as I'm preaching to all of you. Um, but we see in this text that Paul is coming to the c- conclusion uh, in his letter to the Roman church. And this overarching theme is that Paul is giving a gospel-centered reasoning for living missionally. And it's not, it's not that living missionally has to be anything fancy. It doesn't have to be anything extraordinary. I know we read the life of Paul and we're like, I cannot do that. that, that dude, he got beat to death a few times, bit by snakes, shipwrecked a few times. I, I love Jesus, but I don't know if I could do all that. Um, and thankfully, God is not asking us to, because believe it or not, every day of our lives, we're already living missionally. As, as we go out in our daily lives, we're already giving the world some kind of narrative. It's just usually a narrative that's about ourselves or something other than God. Uh, usually it's something material, or, or maybe it's a sports team, or, or maybe some product that you found joy in, or maybe you're just promoting yourself to the rest of the world. However you boil it down, we are always living missionally. Paul is just making the case that when we live missionally, we should be propagating the, the message of Christ. You guys, you guys get what I'm coming from there? And all of this hinges on the, very, on the, on the previous verse uh, in chapter 15, verse 7, where it says, Therefore, welcome one another as Christ has welcomed you for the glory of God. So, so my main point of what, what I see in the text and my main point of what I'm going to be talking about today and, and preaching through is Christ is most glorified when we are on mission. Christ is most glorified when we are on mission. 
And mission, as we'll talk about it today, is being a representative or, or, or an ambassador of Christ to the rest of the world. And thinking about this as if we were in the government, right? We, we've, got, we've got a president or a king, and he assigns us to be an ambassador to another foreign country, and he sends us there to live there. And what the duty is of that ambassador is to go to that country and represent the king so that when the people see that ambassador, they know what the king is like. They know what his will is. They know what his desires are. They know that this, this, this ambassador is almost the king in, in his stead. The ambassador is there for the, for the will of the king. It, it's, it's, a, it's a sad ambassador that goes to another foreign country and lives life for himself and doesn't represent his king. It's, it's, it's a waste of why he's there. He's there to represent the wishes of the king, the king's desires, the king's ambitions. That's what it means to be on mission. But sometimes as ambassadors, when, when Christ has sent us into this world to be his ambassadors to the rest of the world, sometimes we get it twisted. Sometimes we live for our own selfish motivations. Sometimes we forget that when people see us, they should see Jesus. Swallow that one. Sometimes when people see us, they're supposed to see Christ. Sometimes we forget that. We forget that we're supposed to be telling people about how great Christ the King is. But that's what he wants from us as ambassadors, because Christ is most glorified when we are representing him on mission. But here's the thing, because of, because of the sin of idolatry, which is, by the way, the very first commandment, uh, people will try to say, yeah, I did a good job following the Ten Commandments today. A lot of times we don't even get past number one, if I'm being honest. The first, the first, the first of the commandments is, thou shalt have no other gods before me. And because of this sin of idolatry, we have this self-centeredness about us that makes it to where we feel like we, in our opinion, is more important than God's opinion. So we usually end up giving this whole missional living thing very minimal faith. And so whether the reasons for that is because we live in a 21st century, westernized, individualized American culture, or because we live in the the wild, wild west of northern Nevada, or maybe because it's the, the total depravity of man to where it makes it where we can't focus on anything else other than ourselves. For, for whatever the reason, it usually works itself out as, as selfish motivations, as an as a overemphasis on comfort. Sometimes apathy where we just don't care about anything else other than ourselves. Sometimes it plays itself out as laziness, fear, pride, racism, sexism, classism, ageism. I don't even know if that's a thing, ageism. But y'all know what I'm getting at. However it works itself out, we all fall short of our calling as ambassadors and don't tell the rest of the world about the goodness of Christ our King. How through his life, death, and resurrection, he saved us from God's wrath. He made us at peace with God. He gave us a citizenship in a new eternal kingdom. That's the message we're supposed to take with us as we go out into the world. And listen, we fall, we fall short in this. I just fell short in this yesterday. I was at a wedding. I officiated, so I'm talking about Jesus. But then at the reception... I find myself in the corner, not talking to people about Jesus, missing the opportunity that there's unbelievers there that, that need to hear about Christ, and they want to hear about Christ. Their, yards are, their hearts are yearning for it. So we all fall short on this. No one is excluded. And listen, uh, there's this guy, John Calvin. We like to quote him a lot around here. 
he had this to say about mission. He said, there is no people and no rank in the world that is excluded from salvation because God wishes that the gospel should be proclaimed to all without exception. The Christian's duty is to be compassionate and to do our endeavor for the, for the salvation of all whom God includes in his calling. Those people insult God who, by their own opinion, shut out any, any person from the hope of salvation. Even John Calvin knew that Christ is most glorified when we are on mission. And as we'll look at it in the text today, being on mission includes uh, three things that Paul kind of lays out in this text. And as I'll go through it includes evangelism, discipleship, and serving. And all three of them have to be there as we're on mission. Because if we're out discipling people and, and serving them, it just ends up being just this weird book club. If it's, if it's not telling people about Christ. If, it, if, if mission tries to uh, exclude discipleship and it's just evangelism and serving, then you just got these shallow Christians that, that don't really grow in their faith. If we're on mission and we try to leave out serving, if we're just uh, evangelizing and discipling people, then we become this holy huddle. And we don't go out and, and serve people in Christ. So it needs all three in balance. And when we have these three things in balance, we are on mission to tell people about Christ, to grow them up in every way, to serve them with brotherly affection. And it's through these actions that we promote the goodness of Jesus to a world that desperately needs him. So let's jump into this. Let's jump into the text. Um, my first point is, we are to glorify Christ through evangelism. But what is evangelism? That's, that's one of those weird churchy words, I feel like, um, that only the church uses. Um, I like what this author, Matt Queen, had to say about evangelism. He said, evangelism is that spirit-empowered activity in which the disciples of Jesus Christ give a complete intentional witness to the life, death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ, calling unbelievers to become disciples of Jesus Christ by repenting of their sins and placing their faith in Jesus Christ alone. That that is a lot of words. Um, I'm from South Carolina. We like to boil things down. So I'm going to tell you all what he said as I heard it from South Carolina. Basically, it's going out telling people, uh, Jesus is balling. You're not. If you want to be balling, Get on the squad. South Carolina evangelism right there. So as we look at verse 8, y'all, y'all catch that later. It's all good. As we look at verse 8, uh, Paul is essentially telling the Roman Christians how it's always been God's intention to, to, for people to go out and tell the rest of the world about Christ, about telling people how, how great he is. He's telling them how God shows his commitment and faithfulness and truthfulness to the Jews by sending Jesus out to the rest of the world so they can see how much God loves people from every ethnos, from from every ethnicity, not willing to let any of his people suffer, suffer separation from him, but to bring them back into the family. And he's thinking back through the law and the prophets. That's what the the people of that time used to call the Old Testament text. He's looking back through the law and the prophets, and he traces this this mission of evangelism all the way through the the Old Testament. So let's look at verse 8. Let's read it together. Chapter 15, verse 8. If you've got the Bibles uh, around the room, that's on page 949 if you weren't there before. Big numbers are the chapters, little numbers are the verses, all right? says, for I tell you that Christ became a servant to the circumcised to show God's truthfulness 
in order to confirm the promises given to the patriarchs, and in order that the Gentiles might glorify God for his mercy. As it is written, therefore I will praise you among the Gentiles and sing to your name. You can't, you can't praise God internally. He's saying here, you can't, you can't, you got to use your voice to sing out to God. So it's a form of evangelism as we see it there. And actually, as we're looking at this, the reason why it's in quotations is because Paul is actually extrapolating this from 2 Samuel 22. And this is a song from King David. So Paul is essentially saying King David even knew that the Old Testament, uh, God in the Old Testament wanted to see a diverse family. He's pulling that from the king, the great kings in Israel's history. And then it goes on to verse 10. He says, and again, it is said, rejoice, O Gentiles, with this people. This one comes from Deuteronomy 32. It's a, it's a prayer from Israel's great leader, Moses. And Moses, for, for those people, he represented the law, the, the first five books in the Bible. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. This, this is the man who represented all that. He's saying the law of God knew that God wanted a people from all people. This isn't a new thing he's saying. He goes on to verse 11. He says, and again, praise the Lord, all you Gentiles, and let all peoples extol him. This comes from Psalm 117. We read it earlier. Extol means to like overly, overly rejoice, overly praise in something, extravagantly praising it. So if this is a psalm, Paul is saying even the psalms, as they're written, they knew that God wanted a diverse family. And then verse 12, it says, and again, Isaiah says, the root of Jesse will come. Even he who arises to rule the Gentiles, in him will the Gentiles hope. This comes from, like he said, from Isaiah. He was one of the greatest prophets in the Old Testament. So he's saying that the prophets, the kings, the Psalms, all the way through the Old Testament is pointing to this fact that God has always wanted to make a people from all people. He's always wanted to include the Gentiles into his family. And I think sometimes we forget that this started off as a Jewish religion. The Jews don't, don't really look like us, by the way. This, this is a Middle Eastern context. I, I, I want us to, to, to sit in that for a minute. And I'll, as we go, Paul makes it more and more abundantly clear who this is written to. So basically, Paul is saying, look, this isn't a new thing. Evangelizing the Gentiles has always been at the center of how God's mission was laid out. And it's how Christ is most glorified. When people who are on the outside of God's family are brought into his family, Christ gets the glory. When people who don't believe in Christ can come to him and thank him for showing his loving kindness and mercy toward them, it's the, it's the fulfillment of, of what God laid out throughout the Old Testament. But church, how, how, can they, how can they believe in him who they've never heard of? And how, how can they hear about him unless someone's preaching to them? That's us, Christians. That's us telling people about Christ. But then I think the gravity of what Paul is saying starts to hit him because he actually stops in verse 13 and has to offer up a prayer he says in verse 13, he says, May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing, so that by the power of the Holy Spirit you may abound in hope. Paul knows that because of the ethnocentric pride of the church, that this is going to be a difficult venture. He pr- so he prays for them. He prays that, that 
they would believe that God hates this ethnocentric separation that the church had at the time. That when they, when they thought about it, when they thought about the fact that God wanted a people from all people, that it would fill them with this joy and hope. When, when they thought about uh, the fact that when we get to heaven, it's going to be people from every ethnos surrounding the throne. And not, and not singing all one language and looking all like monochromatic. They're, they're all surrounded the throne. They're all giving praise to God, each in their own native tongue, singing out praises to God. One glorious song, holy, holy, holy is the lamb. He, he, he prays for them that when they think about that, they be filled with, with joy and hope, not the sense of dread that I think we sometimes feel. See, Christ is most glorified when we're missionally evangelizing the people who don't look like us, telling them verbally about the goodness of Christ. And I know that's not easy. I know sometimes we, we'd rather do anything but. I know, I know some days you're like, I, I don't even know if I'm a Christian, let alone tell somebody else to be a Christian. I get that. Um, but that is the ambassadorial mission that Christ has given you to represent the king in a foreign land. So that's what we do. But living missionally also includes glorifying Christ, not only through evangelism, but also through discipleship. Um, and I think discipleship becomes some, one of those little churchy words too. Um, so what is a disciple? Um, disciple, as we would use it here, is someone who is a fully devoted follower of Christ. Um, and so as we're talking about discipleship, it includes the process of making and, and building disciples or, or growing up disciples. And so let's look at verse 14 and see how Paul talks about that. He says, I myself am satisfied about you, my brothers, that you yourselves are full of goodness, filled with all knowledge and able to instruct one another. Um, Paul is talking about this process of growing disciples, and he knows that it includes a few different things. When he says, uh, that you yourselves are full of goodness. This word goodness actually in the Greek uh, talks about their holiness. So he says, I, I know that you guys are, are, are helping each other uh, look like God, look like Christ. I, I know you're calling one another to holiness. I know that you're doing the right things. I know you're listening to your conscience. I know you're not uh, going against what God would have you to do. That's, that's the idea of living in holiness for a Christian community. He says, I know you're full of that. He says, I know you're filled with all knowledge. This, this all knowledge, what it's, what it's talking about there is having right doctrine. And we in this church, like we, we even love right doctrine. Like we, we want people to be able to read the Bible and read it in this context. Not taking things out of their context and coming up with some weird thoughts about who God is. Because actually that's another form of idolatry. Creating your own God to suit your own needs. And so he says, I know you guys are filled with holiness. I know you're filled with right doctrine. And I know you're able to instruct one another uh, in, in the ways that you should go. This, this idea of instructing one another is, is grow, helping people grow and teaching them. and Sometimes warning them and counseling them. Sometimes it's, it's telling your brother in Christ, you, you might not want to drink tonight because you, you've drank the last five nights. Sometimes, sometimes it's spurring one another on toward holiness. Sometimes it's spurring one another, one another on toward right doctrine, saying that's a weird idea about God you have. Let, let, me, let me help show you in the text where this is off. It's, it's loving one another through all that. That's how you grow disciples, Paul is saying. 
And then he continues in verse 15, he says, uh, but on some points I have written to you very boldly by way of reminder because of the grace given to me. Um, this word boldly, I know in a few of our community groups, um, we've, <laughs> we've talked about some bold things through the book, through the book of Romans. Um, it's, been, <laughs> it's been rough for some folks. Matter of fact, it's been so rough, um, some folks have left our church because of it. Um, because we've talked about things like total depravity, how, how man, just in his natural state, every part of him is affected by sin. And, and people have not been able to, to wrestle that, that internally. We've, we've talked about predestination, sometimes even double predestination. And people have been like, oh, no. The God I love would never do that. We've talked about God's wrath, how God has passive and active wrath toward people. And people are like, my God's not wrathful. <laughs> and so they've, they've left. They've not been able to reconcile it. We've even had to talk about the inerrancy of Scripture. Some people have just, it's just not set well with people. We've had to talk about some bold things throughout this book of Romans. Um, and if you missed any of that, um, please, please go back and read it. It is really good to know actually who God is so we don't construct our own gods in our minds. But this bold speech, uh, Paul throughout the book of Romans, he lays it out for us. He says that humans in, in, their, in their natural state because of the sin of Adam are estranged from God. And, and because of this estrangement, we're actually deserving of the wrath of God. No one is exempt. Not, not even the Jews who are God's people. He says even they... To, to avoid this wrath, have to have faith in Christ. That's, that is the only way. No amount, of, no amount of rule following will get you out of God's wrath. It is only by his grace that you will be saved. Following rules is, is not going to cut it. He says that this was a grace that was even given to him because if you guys know the story of Paul, he would have said that he was one of the best Jews. Um, and he and would kind of brag about himself a little bit. About, about how good of a Jew he was, how good at rule following he was. But that when Christ opened his eyes, he saw that no amount of rule following was going to make him acceptable to God. Christ, God had to literally blind him, send him off to study the, the scriptures and unlearn this Jewish religion for a number of years before he brought him back in to be a missionary to the Gentiles. He said, this was a grace given to me. And sometimes to grow as a disciple, uh, we need to wrestle through these things. Because it reminds us of our great need for Christ. So that's what we do. That's how we, that's how we grow as disciples. Uh, but Paul also talks about making disciples. Let's, talk, let's look at verse 16. It says, To be a minister of Jesus Christ to the Gentiles in the priestly service of the gospel of God so that the offering of the Gentiles may be acceptable, sanctified by the Holy Spirit. Um, Paul calls himself a minister, and that word actually means uh, a servant of the people. And so Paul uh, is using this, this priestly language, this, this temple language, uh, that wouldn't have been lost on the people at that time. We don't, we don't really have a temple like that, but the Jews wouldn't have missed out on the fact that he's using temple language to talk about how uh, when, when, the temple was, when the temple of Jerusalem was a thing, uh, the people that were Jews, they would be able to go inside of the temple, inside of its inner courts, to give their offering and sacrifice to God and to worship God there. But they had a whole other sections for the Gentiles 
where, where the Jewish people couldn't go in and worship. And so he says, I'm going to go, and God is sending me to go out into the outer court to the Gentiles so that they can now offer their sacrifices to God. And their sacrifices are not going to be sanctified by the priest that's in the inner court. It's going to be sanctified by the Holy Spirit. Man, this, this wouldn't have been lost on the Jews. They would have bristled at this a little bit. You mean, you mean God, who's a spirit, is going, to, is going to give special favor to the Gentiles? Yeah. Because, because of the religion of the Jews, they had separated themselves from the Gentiles and forgotten that God's main intention throughout the Old Testament was for them to be a blessing to the nations. So he says, yeah, my Holy Spirit is going to sanctify their, their offerings. And in verse 17, he says, uh, in Christ Jesus, then, I have reason to be proud of my work for God, for I would not venture to speak of anything except what Christ has accomplished through me to bring the Gentiles to obedience, by word and deed, by the power of the signs and wonders, by the power of the Spirit of God. Um, Paul says that this is a call to obedience for the Gentiles. Um, I've, got, I've got three little ones, right? And it's amazing that when I say, okay, it's time to clean up your toys and get ready for bed, how their hearing magically disappears. And, like, it's, it's to the point where they physically, like, I'm standing back here, they physically move their bodies to where they act like they can't hear me because they don't want to obey. Our, our, our human hearts are prone to disobedience, right? See, y'all, the older ones, y'all forgot how disobedient your kids were. Some of you who, who are still having babies, you'll get there. It's all good. Um, we're disobedient. We are disobedient people, and the call to the Gentiles is to call them to obedience. The human heart doesn't want to obey, though. So Paul is saying that some are going to believe uh, by just me preaching to them and showing them how to live. And that's true for us, too. As we go out in the world, we're going to be able to tell some folks about Christ, and they're going to see our lives, and they're going to say, man, God is so good. I want some of that. But that's not going to be all people. Some people, it's going to take signs and wonders. Some people are going to have to be blinded like Paul was or like my conversion story where I felt like the hand of God slapped me across the face uh, to bring to bring my attention back toward him so he says some people are going to have to experience signs and wonders to believe in God he says some people are just going to have to be <laughs> just totally changed by the Holy Spirit like it's there's nothing you're going to be able to do uh, which should bring us some comfort like God will save his people that, that pressure is not on you either way Christ gets the glory when we're on mission making disciples, right? When we're living missionally making disciples. And then let's look at the second half, verse 19. It says, uh, so that from Jerusalem and all the way around to Elycrium, I practiced that all week, man. I still can't get it. Um, I have fulfilled the ministry of the gospel of Christ. And thus I make it my ambition to preach the gospel, not where Christ has already been named, lest I build on someone else's foundation. But as it is written, those who have never been told of him will see, and those who have never heard will understand. This is the reason why I've so often been hindered from coming to you. But now, since I no longer have any room for work in these regions, and since I have longed for many years to come to you, I hope to see you in passing as I go to Spain. Um, So he says, from Jerusalem, which is in the Middle East, all the way around, to Elycrium, whatever. 
Jerusalem is still on the map. If I, if I were to tell you guys, go look for uh, Jerusalem on a map, you'd be able to find it right away. If I brought up pictures of people from Jerusalem, you'd be like, yep, I know, that's Jerusalem. Please, uh, if you try to Google, like Google Maps, Iliocram, you won't, you won't find it. Uh, it's actually, it was a part of what is now Albania and Yugoslavia. And so it was, it was a part of that region around the, the Adriatic Sea. So if I, if I brought up pictures of those folks from Albania and Yugoslavia, what do you think they would look like? <laughs> kind of like y'all, <laughs> a little bit. But do you see how God is saying, I am going to spread my word to every ethnos. Praise God that over 2,000 years later, we can see in Sparks, Nevada, the work that Paul went through to preach the gospel to a people that were not his people. Praise God that that legacy has continued on and on, even to this day. Praise God that as we go out and make disciples of all nations, 2,000 years later, they're going to be able to point back to 2018 and say, I see the work that those folks in Livingstones did to preach the gospel. That's what we're after. We're after God's name to be glorified. We're after Christ to be so represented in this earth that that his kingdom would just reign as we are right now. And listen, we're going to be planting a church in a few years. We talk about being churches, planting churches. We want to plant a church. There's this weird separation from uh, the springs, which which is this side of the hill, from the rest of the sparks. And if you notice, if we've, we've taken a look at it on the map, if there's some parts in Sparks where we don't even have people who live in those areas that come to our church, let alone a community group. So there's pockets of people here in our own town that have not heard the gospel of Christ. There's, for some folks, they don't even have a, a church within a mile and a half radius. If people are on feet, how are they going to get there? How are, they, how are we going to go and hear about Christ? How are, they, how are they going to see that Christ can rule and reign in their hearts if we're not going to go out and tell them? So we're going to plant a church. But how do we plant churches in this church? We make disciples. We grow them. We make new disciples. We go out and tell people about Christ. We tell people about the goodness of what Christ has done for us so that when they see his goodness in us, they can too can go out and make new disciples. And then, and, then, and then the church starts. And then more people hear about Christ. And people want to bring their friends because they want to be saved from the sinfulness that they're in. That's how Christ grows his church. Living missionally for Christ also includes glorifying him through serving. Um, so verses 24 through 33, they kind of detail out Paul's travel plans that he's, he's saying he's, He's going from Greece on where he was all the way back to Jerusalem, then all the way back to Rome, and then hopefully on to Spain. That's a, that's a lot of travel miles. I hope he gets some good stuff on his, on his sky card because that's, that's some traveling. Um, and Paul is cha- kind of challenging his inner Forrest Gump as he's crisscrossing the Mediterranean here. And we know from history that Paul does eventually make it to Rome. So we can read it in the book of Acts that he does, in fact, make it to Rome. But because things didn't go so well when he was in Jerusalem, uh, he ends up in Rome in chains. Um, and we don't know. We don't know if he made it to Spain or not. Some, some scholars think he did, but 
Uh, we just, we don't know. But let's read verse 24. It says, I hope to see you in passing as I go to Spain and to be help on my journey there by you once I have enjoyed your company for a little while. At present, however, I'm going to Jerusalem bringing aid to the saints for Macedonia and Achaia have been pleased to make some contribution to the poor among the saints at Jerusalem, for they were pleased to do it. And indeed, they owe it to them. For if the Gentiles have come to share in their spiritual blessings, they ought also be of service to them in material blessings. When therefore I have completed this and have delivered them what has been collected, I will leave for Spain by way of you. I know that when I come to see you, I will come in the fullness of the blessing of Christ. I appeal to you, brothers, by the Lord Jesus Christ and by the love of the Spirit, to strive together with me in your prayers to God on my behalf, that I may be delivered from the unbelievers in Judea, and that my service for Jerusalem may be acceptable to the saints, so that by God's will I may come to you with joy and be refreshed in your company. Um, Back in verse 16, Paul called himself uh, a minister and uh, a minister, like I said, is someone who serves the people. And so when we have this attitude toward others, this, this, this attitude of servanthood, it plays itself out in three ways. Hospitality, giving, and prayer. And, I, and I'll try to go through those quick because I know I've, I've kept you guys for a while. Hospitality. When, when we can serve others in such a way that we make them feel like they're at home, it's being hospitable. Whether they're coming to our church or our community group or into our home, we're being hospitable to them. We're, we're serving them in that hospitable way. Um, and that's what Paul says here. He says, as I come to you, I'm going I'm to feel refreshed to be among you. Like it's it's going to be a joy to be among you. That's what, that's what we want people to feel like when they, when they enter into our presence. We want them to feel like they're, they're loved and they're at home. Uh, he also talks about giving. Uh, and I know Pastor Matt covered giving a little while ago, but it's the call of the Christian as we're serving one another to, to be generous. And I think sometimes we think giving is, is primarily focused on money. It may be some time or talent that you have that you need to give out. You, you may be able to change someone's oil that they've never changed. They haven't even changed the light bulb, let alone their own oil. And, and, you, and you are there faithfully serving them. He talks about prayer. So often we as Christians fail to ask one another for prayer. But Paul is asking for it. And I'm assuming that people give it to him, just the way things lay out in Paul's story. But that's what we are as a church. That's how we serve one another. We're hospitable. We give to one another. We pray for one another. And this isn't just limited to those who are in Christ. We should be hospitable and giving and prayerful to those who are outside of Christ too. When people who are outside of Christ come into our homes, they should feel like they, they're a part of the family because that's what God did for us. When we were outside of God, he made us feel like we we're a part of the family. So God was hospitable toward us. Giving. We should, we should be overly giving toward those who are outside of Christ. Prayerful. We should be those people at work that people know is that person of prayer. And when life crisis happens, they know. I, I don't believe in it, but I know they do, and I need them. Because if something in me is telling me I need God right now. So you pray for them. That, that should be the call of every Christian. That's how, we, that's how we are on mission, serving Christ faithfully by serving. Because Christ is most glorified when we're on mission. And reason, the only reason why we do this is out of response to what Christ has already done for us. 
We don't, we don't live missionally to be accepted by God. We're already accepted by God. Now we're free to live out our lives in thankfulness toward God. In, in just our everyday lives, living missionally. We go out and evangelize because that's what Christ did for us. He, he left the comforts of his home to come and dwell amongst his people. Matter of fact, the Bible calls Jesus the very word of God coming to the flesh. Christ, through coming to us, was evangelizing us. We make and grow disciples because that's what Christ did for us. He drug us out of darkness. He became a servant toward us. He showed us the right doctrine. He gave us the ability to live in holiness by dwelling with us by his Holy Spirit. We serve others because Christ served us first. He was hospitable toward us. He prayed for us. He gave us the best of himself, even to the point of giving up his life on the cross. He bled and died so that we could be children of God. He became an outsider of God so that we could be insiders. He became an enemy of God so that we could be disciples of God. So when we're on mission, evangelizing, disciple-making, and serving, Christ is most glorified. So how are we doing with this? When's the last time you prayed uh, for God to give you to, to give you someone to live missionally toward? When's the last time you invited someone into your home who didn't know Jesus and just serve them and be hospitable toward them? When's the last time you shared your faith with a with a non-believer? These, I'm not I'm not trying to sh- like shame or guilt you or anything. But if you're not doing these things, it's, it's supposed to drive us toward our need for God. Because, because the mission is still the same. Christ said, go be ambassadors. Go out and tell the world about me. That, that's never changed. But when we fall short, we need Jesus. Also, man, the Bible paints this beautiful picture of reconciliation. Um, and in a country where it feels like we're ready to tear each other apart because of selfishness and apathy and and laziness and racism and ageism. I still don't necessarily know if that's a thing, but when we're tearing each other apart, Paul, on behalf of God, prays for us. In verse 33, he says that the peace of God would be with us all, regardless of the lines that separate us, that God's peace would be with all of us equally. Those words still ring true today because God is not partial to a political affiliation, and pigmentation density. Color there, you guys. You guys are awake. I get it. It's 9 o'clock. He wants, he wants all kinds of people drawn to himself. He wants to bring all of them into a kingdom of peace. And this may be God's calling for you today if you, if you don't know who God is. Maybe you've seen people being nice to you, and you're like, okay, what's the agenda? People maybe have tried to share their faith with you, and you're like, I really don't want to hear that today. To you, I would say today, maybe, maybe it's that day that, that you finally surrender your kingdom to God's kingdom. Maybe today is finally the day that you say, I am sick of trying to, to do things my way. And, and if God is who he says he is, and he loves me the way he says he loves me, if he said he's, he's thought about me since before the foundations of the earth, maybe I should give God a try. I pray that that, that day is for you today.
Because God wants you to be his son or daughter. Today could be that day that you finally allow Christ to bring you the, the peace of his kingdom. That's my prayer for you. That's my prayer for us all. That as, as we leave here, we understand that we're ambassadors of Christ. Um, we're not ambassadors for ourselves. We're not solve our own, our own will and pleasure. We serve the will of the king, the great king, the loving king, the king who said, I will give you eternal life uh, with me in heaven. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Lord God, thank you for this morning. Um, so often we fall short of what you've called us to do. Um, so often we get caught up in living life for ourselves. And whether that works itself out as we serve our own selfish ambition or we serve as chauffeurs to our children, taking them to their different sporting events, um, or, or whatever kind of way, God, we don't live as ambassadors for you. We get caught up in our own uh, idolatry and selfishness and self-centeredness and uh, all these other things that get in our way of doing what you told us to do. Help us live in holiness, God. Help us live as separated people for your good pleasure. Help us live as if uh, we belong to your kingdom and not our own kingdoms. Your kingdom come, God. Let your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. God, we love you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.